Well, as you know, uh, we're discussing uh, our Lord's cleansing of the temple. And we've gotten through the incident it, itself and um, the enormously significant statement of Jesus that this temple is his father's house. Now, his disciples remembered this psalm verse, huh? Zeal for your house has consumed me. I'm sorry, will consume me. Um, now, that's from Psalm 69. Very subtle change in John. You see, the psalm says, and that's why by, by habit I said it myself, you see, zeal for your house uh, has consumed me. John changes that. Zeal for your house will consume me. So he lays down here as the principle that will be driving Jesus through his, the rest of his life and will drive him to the cross, his zeal for the Father and his house. Now, it's going to happen in just a few lines, but we're going to find out that the Father's house is Jesus. Destroy this temple, and in three days I'll build it up. Now, he said this of the temple of his body. And so, from now on, the house of God is the body of Christ. And that's the enormous significance of what happens now. So, his disciples, you see, remembered, and I pointed out before, see, that's the promise in John 14. He will bring to your mind everything that I've said. Can you imagine? Perhaps if they're close enough to hear and they're taunting Jesus at the cross and they're hearing. You know, this is the destruction of the temple now. And Jesus is going to raise this up in three days. You see? And so the Jews responded and said to him, uh, what sign do you show us that you do such things. He answered and said, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. What a challenge and what a prophecy. I know I'm going to die. I know I'm going to die on the cross in incredible abandonment and suffering so that the whole world can be gathered into my arms and brought back to the Father. And when I'm dead, I will rise again. And so he predicts it right now. The destruction of himself and his resurrection. Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it. And the Jews said to him, This temple has been being built for 46 years, and you will raise it up in three days. As a matter of fact, when it was totally destroyed in the year 70, they were still putting the finishing touches on the temple. And the prophecy? Go over there and look. It has not been a temple since 40 years after our Lord died. It's still, some of it's still in ruins and the rest is a mosque. It's not a temple to this day. Our Lord's prophecies are real. When he prophesied against Capernaum and uh, 
uh, Bethsaida and Chorazin, stand in, in Capernaum and face out across the lake. And you will see where Bethsaida used to be, a flat field. Look up the hill where Chorazin used to be, and you can see the Israeli Exploration Society digging it out. It's serious. Our Lord doesn't talk frivolously. Okay. But he was speaking of the temple of his body. John explains it for us. When then he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered he said this. That remembering is from the Holy Spirit. It's not just, oh yeah, I remember he said, it's when the Holy Spirit reminds us, it means that the reality becomes alive in our spirit. And they grasped it. His risen body is the house of God. Which he had already prophesied back, if you remember, in his conversation uh, with Nathaniel. You shall see the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. That incident is that first adumbration of the temple. And so the angels descending and ascending, rather ascending and descending, on that first stone, which was the temple at Shiloh. And Jesus says, you're going to see the angels of God ascending and descending, not on the stone, on the Son of Man. I hope you see how profound John is and how he mediates, if we listen hard, he mediates a sense of the divine reality of Jesus. So that's what we have here, you see? And so the text goes on now. As he was in Jerusalem for the Passover, that is for the feast, many believed in him, seeing his signs uh, which he was doing. He wants to show them. He loves them. So, you see, give us a sign. The sign? Destroy this temple and in three days I'll build it up. That's the only sign. No, for the poor, for the sick, there are other signs. I'll heal them. I'll give them back their health. I'll raise their dead. Their blind will see. Their lame will walk. Because I love them. They are my brothers and sisters. And so, you see, seeing his signs, which he was doing, Jesus himself, however, did not entrust himself to them, since he knew them all, and because he did not need anyone to testify about human nature, for he himself knew what was in man. Can you imagine? I mean, we live long enough, we catch on, that most of us are not very reliable or, st or stable. Jesus has an infinitely intelligent mind, the Word of God, and his human mind is basked in that light, and he sees us. So he's not going to get swept along to be a national hero. Remember at the multiplication of the loaves, how he says to the disciples, get out of here before they start a riot here. Get out. Get on your boat and go. Now I'm going up the top of the mountain, I'm praying. We've got to break this crowd up before they do something really stupid. Why? 
because he loves them. They'll get a hold of him, Jesus for king, and the Roman army will you know, close in on them and kill them. And so, here's the same thing. See, many believe that his name, seeing the signs he was doing, if, if John had said, many believe that his name, and they gave their lives to him, that's something else. Do you notice how we can do that? There are many signs and wonders being done in our midst by the mercy of God to help people remember there is a transcendent world. It's one of the things God does to help us. We have become so settled down in this world that we never think of anything beyond this world. All the world government, all the new money, all the it's all it's like the Tower of Babel, you know, as we're gonna build something that's gonna go up to heaven and last forever. And the Lord says, Look, it doesn't last forever, and you know it. Why kid yourself? I will show you I am in your midst. I will heal your sick. I will open the eyes of the blind. I will console the sorrowing. I will raise the dead. And he's doing it right now. Dear friend of mine who just died, uh, Father Rick Thomas down in Texas, in his ministry, the Lord raised at least five people from the dead. Verified. That helps people sit up and take notice, which is mercy. But he says, okay, he didn't trust himself to them because he knew them all. And he didn't need anyone to testify about human nature because he himself knew what was in man. So he's doing these signs and wonders to awaken a hunger, awaken a desire for God. And to look, you see, to Almighty God, his Father, and uh, not have the wrong idea about the temple. And in this, of course, he is uh, following in the footsteps of Jeremiah. The Lord told Jeremiah, if you think it's exciting to be a prophet, think twice. The only one who remotely volunteered for the job was Isaiah. All the others, starting with Moses, said, I don't want the job. Please get somebody else. Jeremiah said, I'm just a youth. And the Lord said, don't you say I'm a youth. I am sending you, and I'm God. You go where I send you. And Jeremiah is a wonderful example. In chapter 15, he says, You led me on, O Yahweh, and I let myself be led. You forced me, and you won. And I a laughing stock all day. I have to cry out, Hamas, violence, which is a technical word for calling, call the police sort of thing, see? Everybody thinks I'm a nut. So I resolved, I will speak no more in his name. And your word turned like fire in my bones. I cannot hold it in. I have to speak. That's Jeremiah. Now Jesus, you see, uh, he's going to keep right on bearing witness. And some will get it. Some will get it. Our problem is, if we were hanging around with Jesus, we would probably say he's a very nice man. And he certainly is holy. 
But he's a bit fanatical. I mean, do you really have to clean out the whole temple? Couldn't you just make a suggestion? Maybe you people could... Do you really have to do this? Do you really have to take on the whole establishment? Yes. Yes. And that's why, you see, as John tells us, he began in the temple. Because he loves his father. So, it, it's interesting to reflect on this event, huh? Uh, and its meaning. But, as the fathers of the church tell us, I don't know, I might be able to read a couple of texts for you. Where is the temple of God now? The church. And everybody in the church. Don't you know your bodies are the temple of God? Doesn't Paul tell us that? Right? Doesn't he say that the whole church is the temple of God? Because it is the body of Christ. Do you think our Lord would come and make a whip and clean it out again? He has other ways of doing it. But you know, we sin the same way. We, we get attached to trifles. We get attached to little signs and wonders. We get attached to money, you know, power, our own way of doing things. And we say, this is all just what God wants. And God says, why don't you ask me? Why don't you pray and fast for 40 days? And I'll tell you just what I want. Then you won't have to see me in my son driving you out of the temple. We have the same challenge to keep the temple of God pure. Amen.